deal. It is a best ball breakfast doubleheader. First up, a draft with the defending best ball mania champ. That is Pat Corain. We'll be talking through a recent article he wrote for Legendary Upside and hopping, of course, in a best ball mania four draft, chasing that $3 million up top. And then immediately following that in the second block, we'll have Sean Siegel coming by last week. He made you guys all riddled with anxiety as we ran down the clock before all of our selections. It will be a blast. As always, will we avoid the wide receiver avalanches today? We're going to find out. It's Best Ball Breakfast. Let's go. Oh, another Influencer 101 for the backward hats, bro. Rigged. Zach Ertz with no Tyler Algier bringback. Yikes. You reached a round for correlation? That's a no-no. You ADP bros disgust me. How about you just live a little? Handcuffing might actually be a way to get unique if the field's avoiding it. The Wi-Fi at this resort is a disaster? These fucking streamers don't have player takes. What if a piss boy draft is the room you need? Oh! All right, we are back. Pat, I've, I got my document, my Word doc open, where I'm starting to add some terms, getting ready to, uh, to at least <laughs> start scripting bros? the best ball bro for 2023. I love it. I mean, they, I thought, you know, we'd kind of like, maybe we were termed out after last year. There's so many good terms last year, but I feel like this year we're just, <laughs> just terms are flying in left and right. I know. And uh, I'm going to have to scroll through. Uh, I just read your new uh, mega opus up there. I would say it's the second longest best ball piece of the year, right behind Leone's manifesto. So I'll have to crawl through there and see if I can find any uh, phrases. I think there's definitely some fodder in there for you. I think you're going to have a few things to hit on there. Awesome. Well, we are off to the races in a best ball mania draft. Uh, Last week, Pat and I got CMC to start from the middle of the round we have the influencer 112 uh today pat so we will be making back-to-back picks here i shotgun started this draft on you guys but i did tip off the youtube members there in the best ball breakfast channel and deposit discord you guys got the ping so it looks like we do have some friends and family in this draft uh pat what kind of clip have you been drafting at uh since we last talked i noticed this is literally my 10th draft since the last time we drafted uh last monday or last wednesday so i've been i've had uh some chow chows and bulldogs and um i somehow still have a slow poodle left uh now i've got those all going slow mm-hmm. and then i've got i've been drafting someone DraftKings, and i've done some best ball manias i did like the other day i did like three best ball manias in a day just kind of felt like the water was warm so i just i was enjoying it um, but yeah, I've, I haven't been drafting a ton of best ball mania still. I'm up to 19 best ball mania drafts. Okay. So you're, yeah. Are you, is that, um, I mean, I know you've been working on some of the DraftKings stuff. Is that a purposeful thing to keep more of these in, in the chamber? You don't want to quite hop in your time machine too much in best ball mania. Yeah. I'm, I'm waiting to hop in the time machine. You do, you know, the time machine takes it to 17. So you can hop in it in August too. It's not just a, a June <laughs> time machine, but um, yeah, the uh, it's, it's kind of like I've been wanting to save some of the bullets for like a little later. Like I think, I think starting this week though, I'll, I'll kind of start to, to fire a little bit more regularly. Cause I don't want to have yeah. like too many for the late, the late part. Right. Um, all right, we are on the clock here. CD Lamb goes. No CD Lamb, Amon Ross, St. Brown. We do have the legendary upside ranks uploaded here. Bijan Robinson, Devontae Adams, JT, Amon Ra, Jalen Waddle. What stands out? 
I mean, Bijan at 112 seems really nice. Yeah, he went at 117 in my Monday draft. Uh, so he he's falling in these rooms. Um, I'm definitely down to do a Bijan. Um, probably should grab one wide receiver with him, though. Yeah, uh, and I'm fine with whichever wide receiver you'd want. Yeah, are, do you have any concern with the Devonta Adams stuff? I'm starting to hear Not about really. him falling in drafts. I don't either. I think the Jimmy G stuff is just smoke. I mean, like, it's... I read this piece by Jason Fitzgerald from over the cap and he was like, this has been in his contract the whole time. This is not like we didn't know about this and it's being treated like they added this and it's this amendment and like, no, he, they can cut it. Like it's not wrong. They can cut him if he's not healthy and stuff, but it's not like they are scrambling. And now like, it's just that he signed a contract that doesn't have a floor. Right. So yeah, I mean, there's, and I guess, you know, then you also have to deal with the fact that Adams is looking at this situation and he's like, what, what are we serious? Is this really what we're going into? But I mean, I think Josh Jacobs is in a weird way. Shouldn't Josh Jacobs be falling? He's not under contract. Mm. He said he's not going to sign a con. He's not going to sign the the tender unless like the Raiders. What he, I think he said he was open to signing his franchise tag tender if the Raiders improve the offense this offseason. Yeah. And now he's not signing the tender. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this is the other thing too. People are acting like Devonte Adams is losing, you know, Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. He's losing Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, he went off for 150 yards and two touchdowns with Jarrett Stidham last year in a game against the Niners, one of the best defenses in football. So it's like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not too worried about Devonte Adams uh, with the whole situation. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, the floor is already pretty low with Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. Also, but I mean, he was doing that with Derek Carr. Well, that's what know? I mean. Like, it can't get much worse, and he's produced within all of those different environments. Right, exactly. Uh, pointing out in the chat that Barkley hasn't signed the tag either. I think that's something to note as well. I mean, maybe not a reason to, like, freak out about Barkley, but it's not uh, It's not ideal. Yeah. Um. All right. Or Taking... Middle of the first round, I just... As much as I love Austin Eckler, I, I I'm not I'm not really on board with that. You know what? It, it's it's our guy uh, John Warner here getting definitely getting unique. I, I would say in a piss boy or best ball breakfast room, an Eckler Barkley start is always going to be very unique. Um, we do. I'm trying to see. We also have a CMCJT start. The rest of this board looks fairly commonplace. You're seeing Hertz go to the one team a lot. Casey Brown setting up the premium double with Jamar Chase and T Higgins. Um, yeah, fairly, fairly normal draft room. I th I'd say so far. Yeah, for sure. All right, Miles, you want a coffee pour? I'll give you a coffee pour. I want the coffee pour at this point. I mean, I, I know this. Why do you think I'm, why do you think I'm here? Yeah, it's, uh, does Sean get the coffee pour? Is it just me? Well, normally I'm out by the time Sean is on, but we'll see <laughs> if I can save a little. Yeah, I bet April's been getting up fairly early uh, these days. So the coffee is generally long gone. Uh, and then I have to make what I call a content pot of coffee uh, just for <laughs> the people in the ASMR freaks out. And there. then and then, are you what you call content wired the rest of the day? Yeah, exactly. I, it's really a, just a, a bad trickle down uh, effect on everything here. Uh, come on, guys. Everyone knows that we feed the ducks in the second show um, after I forget and you guys remind me. Um, all right, Pat, we're heading here uh, 
to our picks at the three, four turn. We started with Bijan Robinson, Devonte Adams. We got Josh Allen following all the way to three, nine. Yeah. Look at JGFC. Get that Allen. You got it. Devonta start. Could you got JGFC. it. Look what he did. He did the Devonta Smith. Uh, I wrote about, the, I, well, yeah. you guys don't know this because I haven't published it yet, but I just finished an article that's going to be out soon. I wrote about that start. You give yourself two elite outs. Yep. Uh, two outs uh, I think, I, I think I have a best ball tip video coming about that as well tomorrow. So the, the, uh, it's it's happening now. Basically, my thought is you can't take elite quarterbacks in round two anymore because one, they're falling, and now there's going to be way too many of these combos where people are getting your same team, but with a guy snuck in there. Yeah. Um. All right, man. I am. I'm personally freaked out about like the Hopkins stuff. I understand your your closing line value argument on him. Anything else that you see here that you like? Well, why? I guess we should probably grab one of these two running backs so we could do that. Um, unless you want to grab two receivers, where's your head at? Um, I haven't done a lot of ETN. Let's uh, let's just grab him and then get uh, get a receiver here. This will get us on. Yeah, go ahead. What are you worried is going to happen with Hopkins? To me, I'm like, if he goes to the Browns, I like him here. If he goes to the Chiefs, he's like around too low. Mm -hmm. Um, even if he went to the Texans, I feel like all right now. He's probably like a mid fourth or maybe a fifth round value, but I don't know. I would take him in the late fourth if he was on the Texans. Even I guess I just prefer like Keenan straight up to him if I'm making that kind of like veteran wide receiver play. All right, we can take you. No, but I want, I want the you know if I have the legendary upside ranks in here, I, I need to be pushed outside of my comfort zone. I would say this start um, is one that I don't do a lot. Um, but yeah, talk a little bit more about Hopkins because like my thought has been that this ADP here is already assuming like a Chiefs or Bills or whatever, a nut top seven offense landing spot. And you're saying even if he goes to like the Texans or the Browns or whatever, you think that he's going to move up from here? No, I don't think he'll if he goes to the Browns, I don't think he'll move up. But I don't think like I, I mean, I think he's a lot more interesting than Amari Cooper um, if they're both on the Browns. Mm -hmm. You know, he's the one who's got the the long term connection with uh, with Deshaun Watson. And I mean, Watson or uh, sorry, Mari Cooper seemed to have a better connection with Jacoby Brissett really than than Watson. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think. I think he's probably fairly priced if he's yeah. on the Browns. Um, he was good last year. Nuke, Nuke was good last year. So I, I'm not feeling like he's in like a major decline. I was a little bit worried about that after 2021. But the big reason to take him is like, what if he does sign with the Chiefs? Sounds like the Bills is a long shot. But if he signs with the Chiefs, like there's no way he's going to the end of the third round or the early fourth round. There's yeah. just no way. Could he like a seventh round pick because he's on the Chiefs? Yeah. No, he so. would he would settle in right next to and probably ahead of DK Metcalf, I think is where his ADP would settle. Um, I still think underdog drafters would take T Higgins ahead of him and then, and then grab Deandre on the chiefs. I think so too. Yeah. I think, I think he would be behind T Higgins, but ahead of Mecca for sure. Yeah. All right, Casey, th th this is one of those spots where and it depends if you have a guy you really like. So he had the uh, Jamar chase T Higgins start comes back around the team from the one hole already took Jalen hurts. Very, very unlikely they take an unstacked Joe Burrow there. Do you just make your other selection you prefer 
or do you risk Joe Burrow coming back to you? I guess if it depends if you have something on the board that you think is too good to pass up. And he had to scroll up, sorry. He had he had Jamar Chase T. Higgins. I my you, what I'm saying is he could easily wait. You take Mixon first. You take Mixon, Mixon first. first. Yeah, but you get I think that's easy. Go, it's easy. You take Mixon first. Because the odds that he takes Mixon are much higher than the odds that he takes Burrow, and you're trying to set up this Bengals super stack anyway. Yeah. I will say the the non-badge though, it does give you a little pause. You're like, <laughs> yeah, it's happened crazy. It has happened, you know. I've seen yeah. people double up. So let's think through this. We're about to pick here at the five, six turn. We got a two running back, two wide receiver start. I think this is where we have to really think through. If we did a detour, it would obviously be for an elite tight end because we're going to have um, Pitts or Goddard available here. Um, we would That would give us then three wide receivers, assuming we take one with pick 61, and then wondering in this room. I think we room, need to go wide receiver, wide receiver. That's what I was just talking through because I think in this room at pick 84, I could see Rashad Bateman gone by yeah, this pick. Yeah, it's going to be really bad by the end of the seventh round. So we have, I'm trying to see if we have, we of course have the the veterans who I'm, I'm already I would do Burks here. here if you want to get a little weird. Yeah, with, yeah, yeah. And then we could do like, we could do like Lockett and Burks or Evans and Burks or you yeah. know, one of those kind of like more comfy. Let's do be one. out there dudes. Let's do a locket. One thing I just to help break that tie is because we are going to be looking at a mid to late round quarterback build starting to right. break ties in favor of a quarterback that could help us there in Gino. And then I think that makes a lot of sense. You could also do the same thing with Addison, I guess, if you wanted. Um, but man, mm. Burks is such a fun pick, too. What do you think? I like Burks. I mean, Burks is yeah. someone I want to be in on this year. Yeah, I I mean, I've been kind of saying that I think one Quentin Johnston's ADP should be much closer to Jordan Addison's, and I think Burks is going to eventually flip Addison uh, as well, uh, especially if we keep getting these uh, training camp pieces from him. Yeah, I think it just comes down to, like, how gross are the Titans? Because they're going to be bad, but are they, like, a Falcons sort of operation where they're, like, just trying not to get embarrassed or are they trying to go out there and score some points? Yeah. You know, and right. if they're out there trying to score points, I think Burks could have a huge year. Uh, if they're the Falcons, then, you know, he can have a 45% market share and be like a wide receiver three. The, yeah, I think that is interesting too, where I'd almost argue this range, knowing like underdog drafters, right? I always think back to, what was it, two years ago when we all got excited about Brandon Ayuk and we were drafting him at like the back end of the fourth round and then that was the Debo year or whatever. Like Traylon Burks is a prototypical underdog drafter target. Like we collectively like this guy. To me, this ADP bakes in just complete quarterback uncertainty. Whereas if we do happen to get 17 games from Ryan Tannehill, or if you told the market, you were going to get 17 games from Tannehill. Burks would be going for sure in this range with like Judy and Mike Williams and Drake London. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's where I would be. I'd be happy to take him there. If we knew we were going to get 17 games from Tannehill, if maybe like Derrick Henry was also like 27, you know, instead of 29, yeah. I would feel better about Burks. Cause I think you do want the offense, like the Titans offense is a very specific offense play action. They, they actually like, establish the run it's like an effective old school 
NFL offense where they they can actually kind of establish the run and then pass off the run as opposed to, you know, using the the pass to set up the run like a lot of modern NFL offenses. Yeah. Um, but that could be really hurt if if Derrick Henry isn't who he's been and every year he gets every you know year older he gets it gets tougher to bet on that so that makes me a little nervous um and then obviously will levis could totally suck <laughs> definitely um let me catch up on the chat here a little bit rick has how do you get the red exposure percentages on underdog like that i'm using my friend brick Brian Hooper's draft caddy. You can go to brick75.com. I have a link down in the show notes um, and you can tweak and get whatever kind of information you want up there. I have my exposures and week 16, week 17 matchup. That link is down below. You can also hit me up on discord. If you have questions, uh, Matthew Underwood, the teams y'all draft together. If they win, do y'all split the money? Yes, this is in an FAQ that I did write uh, for all of my drafts. Anyone who drafts with me on the stream, even multi-millionaires who won Best Ball Mania 3. Maybe, maybe if Pat and I win, I kind of just disappear. I go, I go rogue. I head down to uh, the Cayman Islands, uh, you know, whatever. But theoretically. <laughs> That'd be a sad I way will... to end the friendship, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but then they, they could make a movie about it. I could be, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. Bankman Free. I would actually. Would be a great time. That would be a fun movie, I have to say. We all get together. We're just like, <laughs> oh, man. It just didn't. <laughs> yeah. Just, just the documentary. Get Leone. The kitchen interview would be amazing. Yeah. Uh, JGFC win pizza party. Pat is going for uh, the ship chasing community. We'll be out in Vegas uh, right before the start of the season, uh, doing some season long drafts out there. And uh, Karain has promised a, a pizza party for the chasers. I have promised a pizza party. Yeah. I need to look mm-hmm. into that. Actually, we're getting close enough. I need to start setting that up. <laughs> yeah. When there's a, there's a legendary pizza in New York and I was trying to figure Ooh. out if there's a legendary pizza in Vegas that, that, that would obviously be top of the list. That's fun. Uh, I did want to point out one other interesting thing as I look at the one drafter here who took Jalen Hurts at 24 and then passed twice on Dallas Goddard at the 6-7 turn. That hmm. seemed uh, that seemed interesting uh, to me there. Casey, I take it that. back. You did the right yeah. thing. This guy's a wild card. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Nate says he saw Pat's Rojo song for the first time yesterday huh. and it changed my life. Yeah, uh, Edwin uh, Portis uh, resurfaced that one on uh, on Twitter and uh, it is a great song. It's also yeah, I saw some people. Now, it was it was Edwin who resurfaced it. I saw yeah. um, a couple people had retweeted it. And I was like, how is this getting retweeted today? <laughs> um, all right, Pat, we are on the clock here. Um, Trevor Lawrence did... would make sense for us with ETN, and then we could Ooh. backdoor him with Zay Jones if he wanted. Yeah, I, I was Zay just... Jones, but. And I, I mean, we could, we could also see if Evan Ingram gets pushed to not That's this true. pick, but the next one. Um, right. I like the Lawrence call. You know, I think both of us have found his ADP to be a little bit rich, but we're getting him 20 picks past ADP, you know, correlated with the correlated, big bet we've yeah. made. Um, And then this is still looking very much like a running back tier, unless you want to do something with mm. Michael Thomas mm, I, or Sutton. I don't. I mean, Pacheco here would be fine. Yeah. Um, I don't mind Rashad White either. Either Let's do do Pacheco. Um, Yeah, getting a little more ADP value there. Yeah. And now, you know, we're in a similar spot that we were last week. I think probably four wide receivers through this many rounds as well. Um, And we'll have to find a couple other options. It's actually hard not to only have four wide receivers through this round. Like, I I struggle to get to five. Unless I'm just like... 
you know, I'm passing on Bijan at the 112. I'm getting two receivers. Yeah. You know, it, it's actually difficult for me to get to five. I mean, much less six receivers with these 80. There's just a lot of detours right now that are pretty appealing. But then if you end up with just three, like I'm like, oh, yeah, this team's dead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. You know, it is. You know, I, I mentioned this with uh, Spags on Splash Play yesterday that, you know, I haven't been getting a lot of the Pacheco, Akers, Damian Pierce. I got my first J.K. Dobbins share just for that same reason. Like, I'm always taking wide receiver in that range and being like, I do want to, you know, as much as we all like the third round running back values, I do want to take some Metcalf and Debo and whatever in that range and then get an anchor running back in the fifth or sixth round, especially why these running back prices still exist today in the fantasy life newsletter, Dwayne wrote up Joe Mixon and Alexander Madison being, you know, two prime targets to help you embrace the wide receiver avalanche, essentially of having your cake and eating it too, with potentially two lead back. So I want to make sure I am, you know, flipping the, what the, the game theory optimal build to make sure I'm getting access to other pockets of the draft board. What are your thoughts on Madison? Cause I, uh, I was listening to the Roto world, um, podcast and they were talking about how like Madison still had a lot of room to move up and that's mm -hmm. one where I've just been like I feel like him moving up past like the seventh round just kind of makes me queasy maybe to the sixth yeah. I guess but like I I don't think he's very good like I know he can do everything but like he's not I don't think very talented like he's kind of I don't know like he's sort of a David Montgomery type of dude um you know what so, he reminds me of? Like the move up, it reminds me of, and not quite exactly because it's not an injury and this has been more of a slow burn, but it reminds me of the Darrell Henderson jump a couple yeah. years ago where he obviously has to move up. Market's going to market, top of the depth chart, projectable volume, yada, yada. He has to move up. But Dwayne McBride and or Ty Chandler are going to be involved and he just doesn't seem like, it seems like it'd be a fine pick but still just a super dead zone pick there. So that's, I think I'm on the same page with you with that. Yeah. He becomes like a quintessential dead zone back where it's like, they said that he's getting everything. And it's like, well, he's never really been efficient. He can do everything. He's, he's definitely versatile, but like, yeah, Mike Davis is another guy kind of comes to mind. I think he's probably better than Mike Davis at that point in their careers. But, um, you know, these backs who aren't like that talented, it makes them susceptible to, losing touches throughout the course of the year. Like you can't like, <laughs> this isn't just like we pencil them in, you know, well, you can't just like write it in ink that he's going to get like an 80% snapshot or whatever. That's be sucks. Right. It's not going to happen. Even if he's not very good, that's not going to happen. McBride's kind of an interesting two down guy. Chandler seems to have some, you know, interest on the team. Like, so there's been some good reports on him. So yeah. I don't know. Um, Let's see here. Uh, Mike is shocked that Elijah Moore went in the top 80. Uh, I don't think that's because of actual steam. I think that's uh, a wide receiver avalanche room. Also, Nolan uh, up here saying, this room is disgusting. I'm never drafting with you guys again. I don't know why anyone would want to draft in these rooms. I'm legally obligated to, to complete my 150 challenge. But you guys have no excuses for willingly hopping in these draft rooms. <laughs> Um, so Pat, this is an interesting spot here. I, I do not think Gino will come back on the wrap. Um, if we do want to be done at quarterback, but that also means taking him over a guy like Dak Prescott. I'm fine receiver. with that. I mean, we have him stacked. Like it's fine to take Gino, I think. 
What do the we do? Thing, oh, you know what we could do? We could take Fryermuth, which is Coral, which is a bring back. I was just gonna say that because I don't think I don't think taking another running back here makes sense. We're definitely in the middle of a wide receiver dead zone here. I say we take care of other positions. Yeah. That's um, because now we're done at quarterback uh with Trevor Lawrence and Geno Smith. We got Trevor Lawrence with ETN, we got Geno with Lockett, Pat Fryermuth on the bring back. And now we need to roll up our sleeves and uh, and find some wide receivers. Yeah, we'll probably have to take Zay Jones on the next turn. Who I don't like taking, but gives yeah. us a. And there's no real like true backdoor options with Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Um. Yeah. How do you handle? Because I've been in that spot a few times. I forget what it was. I think it was another draft where uh, he ended up going one pick before, but I had you know the the Chase or Higgins start. And I'm sitting there, you know, setting up my burrow. And then Lamar Jackson almost makes it back to me. And it's like, Lamar Jackson is a sick value in the late fourth. And yet, do you pass on the stack? You don't want to take both Lamar and Joe Burrow at the four or five turn necessarily. Like, how do you handle those spots when there's an objectively in a vacuum, better quarterback ahead, but you're not actually getting the stacking benefit? I think if it's a Lamar, I'd probably just take Lamar. Like yeah. Lamar can get there. You know, Burrow can have huge games, obviously, too. But, like, it's going to be pretty unique to have those guys together. You could also, like, Chase could be the guy you need. And then Lamar could, like, keep you even enough with Burrow. Like, Burrow could be, like, the, the guy who you'd rather have. But, you know, maybe Lamar blows up in week 15 or 16. And that's the reason you get to week 17 in the first place or something. So, yeah. Given just how high upside Lamar is, given that he's easily stackable later in the draft, I think it's kind of let the thing I wrote about in the, you know, the article about sniping my quarterbacks, like if you're really going to take down a, a field of 441 people, like you're going to need to get a few things right, not just one stack. And so having the Bengals go off, even if you don't have Burrow is awesome for you because you have the Bengals receivers. And then maybe Lamar goes off too, and you've got him stacked since he's easily backdoor stackable with it with three different wide receiver options, and, he, and you can even tackle one on Isaiah Likely. Like, yeah, you can you can bet big on Lamar, and he's got the rushing. It's just a number of ways where that can work. I think. Yep, I do really want to pull up this comment. So Chipsy says, address the fact that Pacheco is the definition of a dead zone back. He is inherently not the definition of a dead zone back based on where he's going. This is an eighth round price. This is the Josh Jacobs price last year right. where Josh Jacobs falls out of the dead zone is now at the tip of the zero RB selections along with Dalvin, Rashad White, James Cook, David Montgomery. The issue is when this back is traditionally going in the fifth and sixth round. These are the prototypical Red zone or uh, dead zone backs, Damian Pierce, Miles Sanders, Kenneth Walker, J.K. Dobbins. And even in the seventh, I get a little queasy. Like I'm saying like Alexander Madison yeah. now I'm starting to be like, eh. but yeah, Pacheco, I don't take a ton of, but um, I would, I would say, I think you're right. I think he is sort of a quintessential dead zone back. We're not that sure about the talent level. Um, he's more of a two down guy. It's probably split backfield, but um he we took him in the 801 so if that's one of the interesting things about drafts right now yep yeah and i just think you know the whole the whole start of the zero rb range is always going to be backs that are in committees that are mm -hmm. rookies mm -hmm. that are handcuffs that there's a wart on their profile not if if they didn't have anyone ahead of them they would be Bijan robinson and they'd be going in the first and second <laughs> round so um 
We are on the clock. Did see a wide receiver run go there. I feel like we definitely need to be taking Mingo. And then I'm curious I'm into Mingo, yeah. what else you would be. Do we just take Alec Pierce, a guy I have a lot of? Um, I would it, so it, did Zay Jones go? I don't mean I never did. take him. So Zay Jones went. Yeah, it was frustrating. <laughs> okay. Um yeah, Pierce Pierce seems kind of great. Yeah. Um we need, we need the wide receiver help. I'm just making sure if there was anything else here. I mean, you do have Eli Mitchell sliding past ADP. Um, but we're gonna have other running backs we like. We're gonna have guys we like. Yeah, let's just let's let's lock up Pierce. I've been drafting him a lot which is interesting because i'm so light on anthony richardson but man i still do really like the alec pierce price tag right there uh, get, get just get on board dude just get on yep. board with richardson yeah guys i think what you're you guys are getting <laughs> <laughs> you guys are getting confused with the dead zone back there's two arguments happening here you are saying guys who are at risk of not having as much projectable volume as the market thinks that's true about these guys you're the right about that part to, you're right, you're about, right about that part. part the dead zone has to do specifically with price specifically with price running backs that you select in the eighth round are not dead zone running backs that's when you're starting to take zero rb selections i mean i guess it's sort of a semantic thing like i guess you could say they are dead zone running backs but they've fallen outside the dead zone so exactly so yeah sure he's a dead zone running back but when what happens when you get a dead zone running back in the eighth round instead of the sixth round. And I think the answer there is your bet is now weighted a lot more towards the upside, even though, even though it's a low floor bet, right? Pacheco could totally suck this year. You know, I don't know what, what else they're doing. I guess they could sign some, you know, they could sign Fournette or something. And, you know, to, they could sign Zeke. There's any number of ways where Pacheco could, Pacheco could look a lot less interesting, but the the floor is is as low as it would be in the sixth round. But the ceiling is now not that it's higher, but it's it can really hit your lineup in a much more powerful way because your wide receivers are are pretty strong. You didn't have to pass on a sixth round wide receiver to get a running back. The wide receiver in the eighth round was like, I mean, who would we have even taken? Well, in the thing, I think the terminology, and I will help you guys so you can can involve this debate and it coincidentally is something coined and popularized by ben gretch when talking about the dead zone what you guys are referring to generally are trap backs and a lot of the guys like isaiah pacheco mm-hmm. and that refers to guys who don't catch a lot of passes and they do a lot of their work between the tackles in the non-high value areas of the field and guys like pacheco and damian pierce and jk dobbins those guys have trap e-esque profiles and that's what you're saying they're trapped backs based on their overall talent profile but they're They're not going to get the red zone touch they're not going to get the green zone touches score a lot of touchdowns and they don't catch passes so it's just exactly low value between the 20 rushes yeah trap backs but dead zone has to refer to price when we're talking about dead zone um roto run mentioning something that i thought was interesting too uh john saying pierce a pretty polarizing uh player between your ranks and etr one of the biggest deltas 40 spots in difference there i took a damian pierce share like 20 spots past adp talk about a, a pierce here as we head to the 13 14 turn let's talk about our pick and i'll get okay the... yeah because i'm are you I... the, the big speed just went that's a bummer and we can't take Algier because we already have. You would you would have been down to to Hancock, Etn and. Bixby. Oh, I forgot that we had Etn. To be honest, I was just thinking Lawrence. Um, yeah. No, I, I didn't want to Hancock. Yeah. So um, 
I do think we are going to need to take a wide receiver here. Um, <laughs> I thought you had clicked on the wide receiver button because it, it, it looks no. like it's highlighted. Yeah. And then it's still just showing running backs and quarterbacks. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is really is a Pittsburgh draft. Let's see here. Oh. So uh, Dolchich is sliding past ADP. I mean, I, I'm kind of willing to continue to hammer Tyquan Thornton until he inevitably rises. I'm fine here. with Thornton. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, I would also like to grab Dolchich. I mean, that let's do it. Keeps us, we're done at tight end now. And then that's kind of nice. We're done at uh, tight end. No correlations there, but Dolchich and ADP faller here. 143, we're getting him at pick 156. And then, yeah, I'm making sure I don't... Taekwon's definitely my favorite of the uh, the wide receivers available here. It's an interesting move you did there where you took Dulcich first because it's you can either, right, you don't want to have the reach on Thornton, but do you or do you want the screenshot equity of the really nice value on Dulcich? So know- what do you do? Do you know what I do, Pat? This is all about integrity of the ADP because I want to continue to pack my Taekwon Thornton bags. And if I take him at pick 156 I instead see. of 157, that's me slightly contributing to more steam. I got to keep him as low as possible. Okay. All right. Uh, I like it. Um, um, on, also, on the, the chat. Pierce thing. Okay. Sorry, I was wrong. The chat pointed out that John was referring to Alec Pierce, not Damian Pierce. I just saw the Pierce and assumed that that was where the difference was. Well, I know they like Damian. I know Silva loves Damian Pierce, so I that one seemed plausible. Wait, yeah. so I'm lower or higher on Alec Pierce? Higher? I th- I'm guessing you're higher, John. Can you confirm in the chat? I'm assuming you're much higher. Yeah, because I've been I've been drafting primarily off your ranks and i've ended up with a lot of uh alec pierce yeah okay um yeah i mean my guess is that if you're doing the projections and everything maybe alec pierce looks like a shaky bet because there's just not that much passing volume in the offense but i thought that alec pierce had a pretty promising rookie year um at one point he was uh getting you like some of the underlying metrics were making him look like he was kind of coming for, for Pittman a little bit. Um, he had pretty nice rate of first read targets last year. Pittman was tar- had a first read target on 17% of his uh, routes and Pierce wasn't far behind at 14%. Um, he's more of a deep threat than Pittman, which I think should blend should mesh well with what, Anthony Richardson's doing what what his strengths are. So, you know, I'm actually okay taking Pittman because he gets in this range where it's like, well, what else am I supposed to do? Yeah. But it's kind of a bet that like second year, highly highly drafted wide receiver who flashed a little bit. He wasn't like super efficient, but he's a deep threat who I think meshes well with the quarterback. Um, you know, we could be a little bit wrong about the idea that Pittman is this going to going to be this big target hog and everyone else is, is fighting for scraps. So, yeah, you know, and the other thing about Pierce is you do have the out of like, Nope, everything I said is wrong, but he catches an 80 yard bomb and you get there anyway. Well, and one of the things you wrote about, and I think it, again, this is like one of the push pulls with the conversation about overstacking where it's like, if you take Pittman, 
uh, Anthony Richardson, Alec Pierce, Josh Downs, and Jelani Woods or something, and maybe that's excessive, but say maybe four instead of five of those guys. And people are like, how are all those guys getting there for you in week 17? It's like, well, they probably aren't. But you're making a massive bet that this offense, that Anthony Richardson is quote-unquote him, and they go nuclear, and it's one week's a Michael Pittman game. One week's a Josh Downs game. One week's an Alec Pierce game. And because you made that bet, similar to like the Jags thing, we had the Zay Jones game. You had the Christian Kirk game. You had the Evan Ingram game. And then next thing you know, you're dragging a team to the finals. And then you can still live with just a couple of those Colts guys not going off once you get there. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, I wrote about this in the piece today where if you're betting on Anthony Richardson, he's normally your quarterback one. Yeah. And so you're, you really want him to go off in week 17, which means he's probably throwing for a couple touchdowns and, you know, maybe he rushed, rushes for a couple too. But you want those touchdowns to hit your lineup twice. Yep. We're about to pick here at the 15-16 turn. We have a 2-3-7-2 build so far. Trevor Lawrence, Geno Smith, Bijan, Etienne, Pacheco, our wide receivers, Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, Tyler Lockett, Traylon Burks, Jonathan Mingo, Alec Pierce, Tyquan Thornton, and our tight ends, Pat Fryermuth and Greg Luscious Lock Dolchich. I don't mind building out our Raider bet with with Renfro here to be our eighth wide receiver and also some decent running back options. That works for me. I also kind of like Deontay Foreman as the uh, the Bears and the Falcons have the the most fun that either coaching staff has had fun had all season. Yeah, uh, and they just run it down each other's throats. Yeah, I mean, I've been I've been doing this a lot with both Deontay Foreman and Jeff Wilson, and I guess Kendra Miller too. The cheapest of these really ambiguous backfields, um, I've really been liking those. Uh, do you? The only thing here, eighteen seconds. Is there any running back we'd want to grab? This is probably a five running back build, or do we just want to lock up Renfro since we already have a Raiders bet? Uh, I'm okay with Renfro. Mm -hmm. There's certainly some running backs here that I kind of like, but I don't know. We're, we're so strong at running back. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a lot of people might look at this room and be like, Bijan, Etienne, Pacheco, Foreman. They're like, yeah, it's fine. And we're like, God, this is the best running back room I've ever seen since Pat started with Austin Eckler and Saquon Barkley. <laughs> I mean, if you, if these, what I like about this running back room is that like, you can say what you want about Pacheco and I, I'm not like the world's biggest Pacheco guy, but he was catching passes in the playoffs He's a second year back. He's super fast. He plays with Patrick Mahomes. Like he could he could be an absolute league winner. Like he does have a ceiling, you know. Mm -hmm. the, by the way, like the receiving back that's like definitely going to block him. Well, did you forget about McKinnon? McKinnon's like super old and had he was literally rested for dead legs like 3 years ago. So like and he was phased out in the playoffs. Like there's pretty clear paths to Pacheco being a home run. And then, you know, and then CEH is like his other competition. So come on. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it could happen in a way where like you get Bijan as a hit, you get ETN as a hit, and it's pretty easy to see how those happen. And then you get Pacheco as a hit and it's like, we're good. We don't really yep. need much else. We need like a guy who's going to come in and occasionally pitch in, contribute, you know, 18 points here and there. Deontay Foreman could totally be that guy. We're going to take one more stab at that guy later. Um, but I already feel like really good with how this running back look, room looks good, assuming we hit. But guess what? We got a hit. That's like the way this shit works. Yep. Um, let's talk about our end game a little bit here. I think we both agree with a 2482 build. Um, we will be taking a fifth running back. Then I do think you can 
pretty much make an argument for any of the other positions for our 18th round pick in this 2482 build. Um, the one thing I will say is we we have skinny stacks with both our quarterback um, and a in a bring back. So we have Lawrence to ETN with the Mingo bring back, and we have Gino to lock it with the Friermuth bring back. Do you want to try to force a double stack with an off the board player um, with one of these guys, or are you seeing another position? Is this where we say, hey, let's take the bankable points at at tight end. You could pen, potentially accomplish both with Noah Fant. Uh, curious your thoughts. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm open to the tight end, especially if like the wide receiver just looks really barren at this point. Uh, tight end is is also I think like totally viable with what we did. I said we were done at tight end earlier, but you know if you have right. Fryermuth and Dulcich, you can take a third tight end. It's not like we. Yeah. I mean, I've taken a third tight end. I wrote about this in the piece today too. It's like, I think it's fine to take a really, you probably want to go two super cheap guys, but like you could go Mark Andrews and then tack on like Tyler Conklin and Kate Otten or whatever. Like who yeah. cares? It's like, right. it's a dollar. It's like you, you only are supposed to spend $1 on your tight end two, not, not two. It's like, I, I think I'll be all right. You know? Yeah. Especially there's not that many backfields that we're all that confident about who to take in. So the opportunity cost is pretty low. Yep. Um, and we'll see who's there, but this could be an interesting spot anyway. Yeah, it could. Um, also, these drafters. These guys uh, need a tight end, so probably not. Need tight end. Oh, Puka. Suck it, Davis. Uh, so the two guys is. Mayor's a smash here. You think even over getting a double stack? With we did the rate. We already did a Raiders thing. So we got a Raiders thing built in. We have three Raiders, though, and only two Seahawks with our quarterback. Well, Hunter Renfro gets traded and then Mayer moves up. So even so, even going, you prefer Michael yeah. Mayer over Noah Fant stacked. Yeah. Okay. Mayor Mayer's uh, getting disrespected. This is a nice ADP for sure. I mean, one ninety eight uh, now getting him at two hundred four. I got him at the eighteen twelve the other day. I mean, it's it's silly. So Pat, the guy I've been starting to take, I've gotten I've gotten red pilled by Evan Silva and this Ty Chandler stuff. Like he's been my guy. I've tacked on as my fifth running back in a lot of these builds lately. Okay. I'm good with it. My my thought is this. It's the same thing about we just said, like Madison is for sure rising, right? Like he's going to rise another couple of rounds. Both McBride and China, even if you set aside like guessing which one is going to be the second back, I mean, they're going to rise. And if we get clarity on who's the second back, like they're going to be going in the 12th, 13th round. And don't you think of those profiles, as much as we like Dwayne McBride's profile as a rusher, if anyone in that backfield is going to catch some passes, it's Ty Chandler, right? Yeah, I think so. And McBride has been banged up in OTAs, which is not what you want to see for a day three rookie with like serious red flags in his profile. I mean, McBride's like, he has the lowest yards per outrun over his career in college of like any running back in my database. I mean, the guy's got yeah. no real shot of being a pass catcher. So... Outside of Madison, who can catch passes and will be out there uh, to catch passes a fair amount, but like if Madison were to miss a game, I mean, there's, it's like there's no way that Chandler wouldn't be the guy unless they sign somebody. Yeah, so, I, I'm, I'm kind of, and he's going to be on the team, right? Like the floor isn't super low, right? Um, and we got Nez dropping some quotes here. Vikings offensive coordinator Wes Phillips on whether second year RB Ty Chandler is ready for an increased role. I think he's going to have to be. Ooh, I love the okay. ominous nature of that quote right there. Okay. Um, But I do, 
the, I mean, my whole thing, right, is we're looking at these running backs. You have what? I mean, this is this does show the state of the board. You have mm -hmm. the UFAs who, when they sign, they will move up. We have some rookies that we like, but could potentially be the running back threes on their team and not the running back twos, an Izzy or an Evan Hole or a Dwayne McBride. Then you have like the super ambiguous running back situations with like the Cowboys. No one knows what to do with Deuce Vaughn, Travian Williams versus Chase Brown, Keontae Ingram versus uh, who's the other back over there. So this is like that spot where we get to where you are liable to waste a dead roster spot. I just think Ty Chandler, at least ADP wise, has a really good chance of jumping out of this range soon. I think so. Although he's someone that I think we could maybe get ahead of ourselves on if, because like they could sign Fournette or Hunt or, you know, I guess those yeah. are really the only two left now, but um, Zeke, I mean, they could sign Zeke too. So I don't know. <laughs> I think it's a little fragile. Uh, we don't really, but it's not like a talent-based play and we don't have like I you could also see I think he has to you could read that as like him, him calling up the GM after going you know quest Quasi, please please sign someone you know yeah <laughs> the it I was so I was joking someone in the uh, fantasy life discord yesterday asked me like uh, where I thought all of these guys were gonna go and I did say it would be hilarious if all of these teams just played musical chairs with the dusty vets and it's like Zeke goes to the Cowboys oh, so and funny. like Lenny goes to the Vikings and then Dalvin goes to the Bucks or whatever and they just all switch places Kyron Williams was uh floated here that's the guy I picked on ADP chasing as my uh closing line value guy yeah uh splitting splitting carries with Cam Akers right now in the, no the thing I will say the reason I like like say if we work under the assumption that it's an equal chance that Ty Chandler is the running back two versus Dwayne McBride and it's an equal chance that Kyron Williams is the RB2 uh over Zach Evans like and I know people might quibble with that but just for this thought exercise if we get clarity say you get dueling roto world blurbs um obviously Dalvin Cook is gone in this scenario and it's like Ty Chandler is the RB2 for the Vikings. Kyron Williams is the RB2 for the Rams. Isn't Aren't drafters much, much more excited about Ty Chandler as the yes. defined backup in the Vikings? So what you win when you hit on the Kyron Williams thing, I think is far less than what you get with the Ty Chandler situation. I think that's fair. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think maybe you have like a little bit more risk of them signing someone. Mm -hmm. um, there's one. Like, I just think maybe the... The Kyron one, like he seems to be, you know, maybe carving out a role in the offense. Um, but you, I do agree. I do agree. If they're both the upside, probably in real life and from a closing line value perspective, it's higher with higher with Chandler. Let's circle back and review this team now that it is in the books. A two five eight three team for us here of course battling the piss boys this morning didn't get um as many of say the um the big stacks that i think we would maybe otherwise get in normal rooms but we got trevor lawrence and geno smith at quarterback our running backs Bijan robinson travis Etienne, the controversial dead zony yet not dead zony isaiah pacheco deontay foreman and ty chandler at running back our wide receivers Devonte adams deandre hopkins tyler lockett got so dusty and old there that we did recover quickly with second year Traylon burks rookie jonathan mingo second year alec pierce second year taekwon thornton and then pat's little million dollar talisman hunter renfro and at tight end pat fryermuth greg dolchich michael mayer what's your overall thoughts on how this team came out 
I like it. Um, we had a comment on the mayor pick of like, you know, taking Jimmy G's rookie tight end seems like a real, real strong upside play. Yeah. But like, I think it is a strong upside play to take a, a good tight end prospect um, who is going to, I think, get on the field right away because he actually is a pretty good blocker. Uh, he's not a uh, pure receiver like a Sam Laporta, who is pretty interesting, but maybe that takes him a little longer to, to actually earn the coach's trust. You know, I think Mayer is going to be going to be out there but then you know it's not that fun you're not scoring many points kind of boring so what we got firemuth and dulcich mayor comes on at the end of the year like we we saw last year from a number of rookie tight ends we get that trey mcbride week 17 explosion and it wins us the money yeah i i i like this team you know it was another one of those spots where it, it's like i talked about this with sean last week too and it you know ideally you would have you know, five wide receivers through through seven rounds, you know, but these rooms really don't make it possible. But I, I legit, as much as I joke around about everyone taking my wide receivers and, and hating these rooms, it does push me into much different pockets than I normally will get. And I like kind of dancing around getting an ETN and a Pacheco. Those are ranges of the draft. I'm normally taking wide receivers. And instead that pushed um, to different spots. I actually haven't been getting a lot of Jonathan Mingo because then that's been a prime. Hey, I'm selecting Kendra Miller. I'm selecting, you know, whoever in that range. So then being able to think through those two V twos um, and getting exposure to some of those players that you still like um, in correlated fashion. I think, uh, I think we recovered decently. Yeah, we have nice little, uh, I like the Raiders thing. I, I yeah. like doing stuff like that. I like being like, I have three Raiders and, you know, maybe the Raiders are maybe Orange's freaking out about the Raiders and like Jimmy G. I mean, Jimmy G's been like a highly efficient quarterback throughout his career. He's a distributor, you know, like we don't no one wants to play Jimmy G in fantasy, but we don't have Jimmy G, which I love. I love that we have a bunch of weapons on an offense that, you know, maybe could pass a lot because they're going to suck. But yep. they do so in a semi-efficient manner and like his foot's fine and everyone would like. That's one of those things we could easily look back on and be like, oh, remember when we freaked out that Jimmy G's foot was going to be a thing? And then that just wasn't like it, it's, <laughs> it is June. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, this team, I think, came out well. It is a bummer to not like it feels weird to say it's a bummer to lose out on Zay Jones. But Trevor Lawrence is one of those guys. Where it's it kind of like, is, though. It is because if the if the Trevor Lawrence pays off and we did mitigate some of the risk at this ADP, right at pick 84, some of it's coming. But man, we still need this to be a relatively undervalued offense. We need ETN to hold off committee stuff. If we're making that bet on the Jags, you would like to have one more player in. And we had a couple cracks. I thought maybe Evan Ingram would fall back to us when we got Pat Fryermuth. It just didn't work out. And this is one of those spots where you just can't force it, right? We're not taking Jamal Agnew just to get our double stack with with Lawrence. No, I don't think so. And even like Zay and Ingram, like I think Zay and Ingram are not great picks. So yeah. am I going to reach like, you know, pretty far ahead at ADP to get guys I don't like? No, that's like not how I like to do the correlation thing. That's not really the point of it. But I think this lineup, although it's not as correlated as I would like, Gino goes off for like Lockett has a huge game, pulls along Gino, you know, and we've got Frymouth coming back. So we got a little, little explosion. We got the three Raiders, Jimmy G. Jimmy G wins it for us. There you it's, go. It's certainly possible. We got the we got the uh, the running backs just like just forty carries for both Bears and Falcons running backs. Uh, there you go. You know, three touchdowns between the two of them. 
Uh, before I forget, and then we are going to look at our guy, John. John, you know, went into the uh, the eye of the wide receiver cyclone there and started with uh, Saquon and Eckler trying to recapture some BBM3 magic. We'll look at that in a sec, but a few uh, plugs, and we're also going to look at Pat's uh, legendary upside article, and then Sean Siegel will be here in a few minutes to draft another Best Ball Mania 14, but a few things. I'm going to do my first underdog cardio club draft today on the Swolecast at 1.30. David Kitchen hosting. Davis doing Lord knows what, I don't know, making like showdown lineups for some random sport while drafting. And me running on a treadmill selecting sounds like a classic Swolecast episode. And then Pat, Ben Amazing. Gretsch and I will be back at 9.15 p.m. Eastern tonight. And as you guys have probably heard from last week and then on ADP chasing, Ben Gretsch has gotten the underdog drafting bug. He drove across, across state lines, has caught the bug. And Pat, I think we're going to give him as many puppies as he can handle tonight. I'm thinking we multi-table some puppy drafts. Yeah, how are we doing this? Are we are we going to do like a bunch of different tabs? That would be I kind of, but we tabs. share the screen instead of the tabs, and then we can see, because it says, shout out to Underdog, they got the, it'll tell you in the Chrome tab how much, how many picks yes. away you are. I think that's doing? what we do. I think that's what we do. That, that sounds kind of, really fun. And normally, normally I'm kind of anti-multi-tabling for content purposes, but to me, this is like, you know when the kid gets caught smoking a cigarette and then the dad makes him <laughs> he make him smoke, smoke the, the we're gonna make Ben Gretsch smoke an entire pack of puppies tonight <laughs> is what we're gonna do well there's your thumbnail I don't know if we have the thumbnail done yet but there it is yeah uh I'm, I'm getting that to our guy here uh shortly and then oh also uh Spags and I are gonna be going on the four for four best ball happy hour as well I think I am gonna do underdog cardio club draft for that one as nice. well so uh that will be at 3 p.m eastern so lots more so, drafts today if you want to if you want to watch well potentially a ton of drafts because i just i so i have never uh been a smoker pete but there are apparently 20 cigarettes in a pack so i yes. don't know if we're gonna be able to do 20 drafts at once but yeah uh, 20 you know that analogy does fall through there it'll be uh <laughs> just a few black and milds uh for yeah, bed okay, crash okay. yeah, um black and milds are in a pack let me look that up Let's um let's look at John's team and then I do want to touch about your article that is up as well. So let's see how John recovered here with this start. Oops, um, where is John? Roto run. All right, so he did start Austin Eckler, Barkley, then waited for Tank Chuba and Fournette late. His quarterbacks, Justin Herbert and Daniel Jones. Nice little value there on Daniel Jones. Wide receivers. Okay, Calvin Ridley, Mike Williams, Mike Evans, Cortland Sutton, Rondell Moore, DJ Chark, Isaiah Hodgins, Darius Slayton, Richie James, getting that backdoor Danny Dime stack. Tight end Dallas Goddard and Evan Ingram. So you're the one who sniped Evan Ingram from us. How do you how do you think uh, John recovered in this piss boy room? Uh, I think he did pretty good. I mean, I like you know the Rondell Moore pick is a pretty good one. Like I don't think you're getting like this massive season from Rondell Moore, but certainly as a wide receiver five, when you like need a solid wide receiver i think he's i think like he's gonna run a lot of routes this year i think he's yeah. like very solid um etr still has him ranked like even ahead of where john reached for him so i think that was a sharp pick isaiah hodgins another guy that i like like i think uh sam Sherman was pointing out to me in discord that you know the floor is still very low on hodgins like if he doesn't win the the starting outside wide receiver job he's like he could get cut because um, like there's not really like kind of anything else for him to do. Like he doesn't really play special teams. There's some guys they may find more interesting as kind of upside depth pieces. So the floor is really, really low. But like if Hodgins 
especially correlated, is like going to be playing this year, he's probably a starting wide receiver. You know, it's kind of all or nothing with him. So I think that's like a good way to try to dig out, right? It's like I'm, I'm make, I don't want to have to make this bet, but I'm making the bet. I need a wide receiver who's starting. It's not like you're getting, you know, a couple games here and there. I think if Hodgins hits, he's like a starting wide receiver for the Giants. Yeah, I'm definitely impressed with how this team turned out because if you told me you started with two running backs um, and also got an elite quarterback and then two good tight ends, I would say you're absolutely buried at wide receiver. But Ridley, Mike Williams, Evans, Sutton, um, you know, you're still four before round 10. And then, yeah, you just basically need to hit on one of these breakouts um, and getting that kind of stack there. So for as many detours as you made in the top 100, uh, it think it came together nicely in the key to this right pat and you talked about this this is how your Ramondre pick was last year your third running back i mean to make this work john had to wait all the way to pick 150 to make his third running back selection yeah i think the running back room was really smart uh getting fournette there like fournette right if you, okay you get bigsby hubbard and then you kind of like flipped it right like normally you'd get like some boring veteran production to kind of help you chug along earlier you know, like that's, you know, kind of like a Damian Harris type of type of pick. Right. But you're like just betting that Fournette is that guy for you. And then you've got yep. the two high upside handcuffs ahead of that, which I like. So, yeah, I think great, great running back room. Um, Pat, I want to I mentioned that you had an opus out that I was actually just reading this morning when it hit my inbox. Uh, this is for all legendary upside uh, subscribers draft like you have a time machine. Give people the. um kind of the the elevator pitch on on this piece because there's lots of interesting uh thoughts in here yeah basically this is like my philosophy on the late rounds um <clears throat> it took me a little bit to uh kind of get this all together uh the tight end piece that i wrote about uh that i that that came out of this uh, i have a quarterback article that i'm gonna write that is gonna kind of come out of this this piece is like eight thousand words so it was like a whole you know uh i had a lot of thoughts the first like half of it is is totally free, so if you yeah. just want to check out, um, even if you know if you just want to subscribe for free, there's a there's a lot of information in there as well. Um, but essentially, um, I'm talking about the idea that if you're drafting a team, you know you're it's not that you need to be right. Obviously, you need to be right on some of your picks, but you need to be like really right, and you need to be right in a way where these guys are blowing up in week 17 and and your early picks are going to be the ones who have by far the best chance of delivering those massive performances that are actually going to vault you to the top of a 441 person leaderboard so with that definitely happening for you because otherwise why are you even finishing the draft it can actually kind of just subtly help kind of shift your thinking of how to attack the late rounds um, like if you know for a fact those early, some of those early guys are going to do that for you, it can actually help you make your late round picks, I think. And there's a number of ways that you can think through that. And that's why the article is so long. <laughs> yeah. And there's lots of good stuff there too. And it, it does, I think one of the things that's really helpful too, and you kind of point out and you show some, some box scores and overall season performance from players who will not go down in history as league winners. No one's going to think about that. Justin Jackson, or you meant you referenced that Byron Pringle week, or even the Zay Jones one last year, like those are going to be lost to the sands of time, but just getting that one massive spike week can just completely flip advance rates on their head. 
in the playoff too. And then viewing your selections through that lens. Although I think a lot of people get caught up with that of like, why would I take this backup running back? Like I might get one or two good weeks. And you're like, yes, exactly. That is exactly what you want is one or two well-timed good weeks. Exactly. I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown in 2021 had an insane final advance rate to the finals. He then went off in the finals. You had to have Amon Ross St. Brown to take down the money. But he did not have the best finals advance rate among late round picks in 2021. Justin Jackson did. And Justin Jackson did nothing the entire season except he scored 30 points in week 16 when Austin Eckler missed that game. And the big thing with Justin Jackson, I get into the piece, uh, I cover this in the piece as well. Justin Jackson was not drafted very often. Yeah. And we got late information that he, in fact, was the number two after he was a cut candidate around this time of the of the summer. And that's something I, I plan to really take advantage of that late information and think kind of change my thinking on, you know, sometimes we like we we scroll down and we reach for dudes that aren't being drafted a lot. But in late summer, you don't have to scroll down because they weren't being drafted early in early drafts. So it's I'm get, I'm not getting leverage on the other people drafting with me now, but I can get leverage on people who drafted a bunch of teams early because I'm getting a guy that I feel confident will have a role, but he's also going to end up being drafted like 20% of the time in the whole tournament. Yep. And I do think the the tightrope walk of kind of what you're talking about too is this, and you of course acknowledge it in the piece, is this element of avoiding the dead roster spots too. And so it's, you're trying to balance like who can, I'm spike week hunting, I'm trying to find these guys who can do it, but I need to do it in a really smart way because if I'm wrong about their position on the depth chart, I could just have a zero on an otherwise really good team. Exactly. Yeah, that's another huge component as well, which Leone pointed out in his best ball manifesto. All right, guys, we are about to fire up another draft here on the channel with Rotoviz's Sean Siegel. Appreciate Pat swinging by. You can check us out tonight on Ship Chasing, drafting some puppy teams. Also, be sure to check out Legendary Upside. I have the links down below, both to Pat's YouTube channel, Legendary Upside, of course, to the newsletter and the site. Pat also has DraftKings rankings up now. If you guys are drafting over there, that is an awesome resource for you. Pat, any other promotions going on with Leg Up? Still doing the $30 discount for your first year, legendaryupside.com slash early. Uh, you can go ahead and get that and read the the entire piece. I also have another piece coming out uh, very soon uh, on some of those tactics around the turn that we kind of touched on uh, in this episode. Awesome. Well, appreciate you, Pat. Make sure you guys are following Pat on Twitter, checking out Legendary Upside. Even if you aren't taking the plunge with the paid version, just get in there for some of those free articles, getting updates from him. I promise you will not regret it. Pat, we will see you later tonight on Ship Chasing. Peace out.